Father, we come before you and we give you thanks for who you are, the creator of the universe, the one who had his son set everything in motion. And we know the spirit moved across the face of the waters and everything was created by your command. Uh, Psalms tells us that you watch over us, you provide for our every need and you give us our desires, the desires in our heart and you fulfill those. Father, we can't give you thanks enough for what you have done. And we know that we will be giving you thanks when we see you face to face. But until then, we ask that you would teach and guide us. Make us those disciples that you desire us to be. Fill us full of your Holy Spirit and with faith that we might do your will to the fullest here on this earth. And we pray for this this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, we are currently talking about faith, being in the hall of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And there is a list of individuals who exercised their faith, and they were able to accomplish and endure much because they believed in God. And by contrast, if you don't really believe in God, you're not going to accomplish much or endure much for the kingdom. You will end up being one that says, no, I don't need to participate. I don't need to go forward. I don't need to grow. I don't need to endure when persecution comes. I just need to go to church and that will suffice. But these men who are talked about here and these women, they offered literally their bodies as living sacrifices. And we ended off with verse 5, but I'm going to start in verse 4 in Hebrews chapter 11. By faith, Abel offered a God or to God, excuse me, let me start again. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. And by faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, he still speaks, even though he is dead. And he was the one who offered a living sacrifice, so to speak. And Cain, a tiller of the ground, offered a offering of the ground, the fruit of the ground, and that wasn't what was displeasing. It was the fact that Abel was the one who trusted God. He was commended as a righteous man, and that's why God spoke well of his offerings, where the faith that Cain had was not the same. And Enoch, by faith, was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And so this idea of walking before God and being pleasing to him, those are the things that he is interested in. Now, I'm looking at my message here, and I don't have the right one in front of me. Hold on. Okay, this is what you're going to do. I have it. I just have to get it. You're going to stand up and you are going to turn to somebody and you are going to talk to them about somebody that you know that exercised the greatest faith in their life and the works that they did. It doesn't have to be somebody you know personally. It can be somebody that you read about, you heard about, you know through a friend. Somebody that actually gave it all to follow Christ. So I want you to do that for about a minute or two minutes. Just please stand up and turn to each other and tell somebody about someone with faith. Okay, if we could go ahead and take our seats, please. You know, in the youth group, 
I can't remember if it was this last week or the week before, we are talking about the parable of the sower of the seed in Matthew chapter 13, and we are talking about the different soils which were there. And the first soil is this rocky path. The second soil is this stony ground. The third soil, it's soil, but it has weed seed in it, and the weeds come up. And the fourth soil was the soil that was supposed to be tilled up. And Brenda McNabb, she went to work. Okay, how, how are we doing? We better now? Better? Is it because of the way I turned? Okay. Anyhow, Brenda McNabb, she went to work. And at work, she decided to share. Am I okay? Okay, I won't move at all. All right. All right. Anyhow, Brenda McNabb, tell me if it goes bad and I'll make a switch. All right. Brenda McNabb went to her work and she was so excited. She happens to meet with the youth. She was so excited that she went to her work and she started telling them about the parable of the sower of the seed and all the different soils that were there. And, you know, Brenda and Alan, they've had their share of problems, you know. And so the person at the work said, well, you're not the last soil. You're the soil with all the problems, the weeds that come up and get choked out. And, and Brenda was going, I didn't know what to say. Am I that third soil? You know, am I, am I the one with all the problems in my life and I can't seem to get out and I'll never be the fourth soil? And so we sat there and said, Brenda, you claim to have, or this person claims you have no faith. I said, that couldn't be farther from the truth. Look at you. You've been walking with the Lord all these years. You are here to assist the youth and also to learn. You have opened up your house. You pray, pray, pray. You seek out counsel. You're in the word. You're trying to memorize some scripture. You're trying to walk the walk, and it's difficult, and we all have problems. I would have gone back and said something along the line that if you follow Christ Jesus in this life, you will suffer persecution. You will also have problems. You will probably have more problems following Christ than you will just following the ways of the world. And some of the things you want to do are not the things that you do, but the things you don't want to do, those are the very things that you do. It doesn't make you the third soil. It just means you're walking the walk. It's like, praise the Lord. And we went around the room and we talked about each one of the kids and what they are doing and how they're memorizing or remembering or showing up. And when we got to each one of the kids, we'd turn to the kids and one of them, you go, okay, I'd turn to Mario. And Mario. And he goes, oh, I don't have anything. You know, and you would tell him what he's been doing and how he's going in the Lord. You'd turn over uh, to the other kids. Jake that was in there, and Jake was the one who had the answers from the week before. It's just tremendous to see how these young kids are just growing. And so this idea of faith, of having this faith, we're supposed to be moving along, which brings me right back to the text. This idea by faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who, who pleased God. And this, of course, goes all the way back to Genesis for Abel and Enoch. In verse 6, it says, Without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, are there some people in this life who are being rewarded that aren't seeking him? Oh, they're riches and glamour. I'm billionaires, the number of billionaires are up around the world. And some billionaires are making their own spacecraft and they want to take people up in there. And they just want to make more billions. And you're thinking, well, how come I can't just get a little bit of that, a little bit of share to make my life a little bit easier? And I'm seeking after God and he will bless or reward those who earnestly seek him. That reward isn't necessarily monetarily. 
That reward can be with a peaceful life, joy that comes, and without understanding for the rest of the world, they'll look at you and say, why are you so happy? You've just had your whole world fall around you. And you can say, because I know I have a a lasting love and a lasting peace that I'm going to be going to, a reward that lies ahead. And that is the motivation for these individuals. So if you are seeking him earnestly, it means you are serious about seeking him. It is heartfelt. It is warm as far as being either for or against something that he represents or something that he is for. You are warm towards it. And when I say that, it means you pay attention to it. You go forward on it. You say, okay, I've I've got to act here. I'm not simply just going to muddle in the mire. You do it with determination. You do it with forethought. You do it with resolve. You do it with grit. You do it with fortitude. You ever hear that phrase, intestinal fortitude? It means you have guts. It means you step out. It means you go and do something that you never thought you would do. That's what it means to have faith. Now, if you're not doing anything... Now, please, I need to interject here. When you don't do, it doesn't mean you don't believe. Okay? There are times, seasons, when you don't do. Right now, all the leaves are off all the plants and trees. I have this guy I'm working for. He wants to plant grapevines. I said, just wait. You know, we don't have to put them in yet. There's no leaves on the plants. And then when the leaves come out, then the fruit comes out. Right? But there's a time, a season, where you're just sitting there with a bunch of dead leaves. And what does the gardener do? Snip. Cuts you back. What are you doing to me? And then all of a sudden you have two or three more sprouts come out where there wouldn't have been any. And you start to produce more fruit. And by the time the next season rolls around, you're heavy laden with the fruit. I've used this illustration often. So it's this idea, if you produce fruit, great, you know you're in the Lord. If you have a season where you're not producing fruit, you don't have to go, am I even saved? No, you're saved. If you've given your life to Christ, you are saved. But sometimes those seasons are a little bit longer. But there will be a time eventually where you start producing that fruit and you produce it abundantly and we're supposed to look for it and we're supposed to go after it with determination and forethought. You know, several times you might... Go forward and the Lord just keeps on blocking you. Have you ever had a prayer that hasn't been answered or God said no and you keep on answering, asking and he says no and you ask again, he says no. Well, that happens, right? We don't know why God does that, but it happens. We are just supposed to continue to go forward with determination. I, I was blessed this Saturday. I went over here to Starbucks and I was going to get a coffee before our worship practice on Sunday morning at 9 a.m. And I walked in there. And, you know, you always check people out when you go in there. You know, okay, this guy over there sitting down and people in the line. And who's that? You know, you're, oh, wow. And you, I saw this guy in the corner. And he's sitting on one of those elevated chairs. And his little son, 10 years old, looked like about 10, was facing him. And the little boy had a regular Bible open. And his father was sitting there instructing him. Now, this is what you do. And he's looking at this little study thing, and the little boy, he's flipping through, and the little boy looks up at him. And, I, of course, when you're waiting for your coffee, I sat down and you know, <laughs> tried to listen. I couldn't listen very well to what he was saying, but he was taking the time by faith, instructing his little boy, and that little boy is going to grow up, and he is going to be strong in the faith. 
And I was just thanking God. And I thought I, I just wanted to go up and go, praise the Lord, brother, and give him a fist bump. But I didn't want to interrupt what was going on. I didn't want to distract what was taking place. I was so blessed to see that. And so this father, he is acting by faith. Now, as we go on here, <laughs> yeah, another one, another illustration. When you're acting by faith, you're supposed to step out there with all your might. Now, how many football fans do we have in here? Raise your hand, please. Nice and high. We want to see who you are. Okay. You guys are football fans. Now, are you an individual? Like, I know Buzz is a football fan, and it's more fun to watch Buzz watch a game than to watch the actual game, right? And he is into it. Now, if the Chargers win, let's say, 67 to 3, is that good? Buzz is saying yes. Now, he's a hardcore fan. He's going, yes, that's good, and we want it to happen all the time. Every single week, we want a blowout, right? A, a fan does that. He is an evangel for the San Diego Chargers. He would say they are the team. Forget about the Raiders. The Chargers are the team that you want to follow, right? Well, what if you were a coach and you were this coach that just believed in your team and you wanted them to go out and just really smash the other team. Not literally, but just roll over them. You were an evangel for your team. You said, yes, this was good. A basketball team. What if a basketball team won and the score was 161 to 2? Would you not pat your team on the back, say, way to go? That was fantastic. What a game. You guys really have outdone yourselves. Well, when you have faith, you will also be opposed by the world. Let me give you an illustration. San Bernardino, California. A Southern California high school basketball coach has been suspended and faces accusations of mercilessly running up the score after his team won a game 161-2, to two, one of the most lopsided scores in state history. Arroyo Valley High School girls coach Michael Anderson was suspended for two games after the victory last week against Bloomington High. Anderson said that he wasn't trying to run up the score or embarrass the opposition. His team had won four previous games by at least 70 points, and Bloomington had already lost a game by 91. And there are these naysayers that come along and say, Stop what you're doing. Don't exercise your face. Stop playing basketball so fervently where you make other people feel bad. Now, what if you actually did that in your faith? Somebody comes along and says, you have so much scripture memorized. Stop it. You make me feel bad that I don't have more memorized. Would you, would you please not take these trips and go on missionary adventures because I'm not going and you make me feel bad. Your score is 161 and mine is 2. Now, we are all reasonable people. What do you tell the people who scored 2? practice get up exercise that faith go out there and do what you're supposed to do don't sit there and rain on somebody's parade because they are stepping out and they're doing what god would require them to do one person that comes to mind that does this all the time i'm looking for them yolanda oh good i can talk about her yolanda you know we we do the mexico thing or we do the Cambodia thing, Yolanda comes up and she goes, Pastor Bill. And I go, yes. She goes, I have a question. 
I said, yes, y'all are what you question. Can we have a bake sale? Can we have a garage sale? You're going to do this and we can raise the money for that. And she has all, oh, and I can fix sandwiches and we can do all this and we can have a silent auction. I mean, she just goes off the rails and I'm going, go Yolanda, go. And she, that little train that thought it could, you know, that is Yolanda. She just takes off. She is exercising her faith and she is an example to me. I step back and I go, whoa, Yolanda. Look at that faith this woman has. And, you know, a lot of us, we'd look at her. She doesn't go and teach in some seminary or something. No, but she has faith. And I know that God is pleased with her. And I am encouraged with that. And so this is the type of faith that's being talked about in Hebrews chapter 11. So if we seek the Lord earnestly, if you give the converse of that, the Lord doesn't reward those who are in a mediocre manner seeking after him. These people who I've mentioned so far, they have a faith that is just on fire. They don't just go to Sunday morning. They go to these Bible studies. They seek after the will of the Lord. They pray. They do all of these things. And make no mistake, to make time for that stuff, it is difficult. And we always have to make a choice what we are going to do. Now, Abel was right In the eyes of the Lord, Enoch pleased God, sought after him earnestly, and then we have Noah. Now talk about a man of faith. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear, built an ark to save his family. By his faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. We are all related to Noah physically. You keep on going back. He is our ancestor because he gave birth to three boys. What are their names? Shem, Ham, and Japheth, right? Those are the three guys that had three wives, not like the movie. Don't forget about the movie. That movie was way off, the movie of Noah with Russell Crowe. But he had three sons, and we are related to one of those three sons that came out. Uh, that had children and had the generations after them. But what did he do? He he was told the earth was going to be destroyed. So what did he do? Talk about a big project. hundred years, you know. Oh, this is going to take you a long time. You're going to be at this a long time. What if the Lord came and said, I got a project for you, but it's going to take the rest of your life. Oh, can't I just do it on this weekend or something? You know, He goes, no, it's going to take your whole life and you're going to build this huge ark and you're going to save all of humanity. You don't know that if you learn how to evangelize, for instance, you go out and you share your faith, then that one person gets saved. And then that person goes out and is on fire and saves two people. And those two people save four people. And those four people save eight people. And those eight people get saved, 16 people. And it just keeps on multiplying Talk about the whole world. How many owe their salvation to the Apostle Paul? Billions of people. Because he was just faithful and he thought he was all alone. He was shipwrecked at sea. He was going through all these troubles and trials. He was left for dead. He was stoned. He was ridiculed. He was imprisoned. He was flogged. All of those things. And I'm sure he sat there and thought, I'm not making any difference whatsoever. And yet billions are saved because of what he did. 
That is faith. That is something that we want to grab hold of and say, I'm going to do the same thing that Paul did. Now, Noah, he did all this because he feared the Lord. Now, some people would say, you don't need to fear God. Well, that's a bunch of... I want to think of a word that's not a bad word, but it's... Huey, okay, thank you. Like baby Huey. or No, that's Huey. Yeah, we, we, don't, we don't want to pay any attention to that whatsoever. We need to fear God. Like, for instance, uh, a healthy fear that your employer will fire you is good or bad. Yeah, it, a healthy fear, I said. I didn't say an unhealthy fear. A healthy fear is good. Why? Because it keeps you motivated to do what you're supposed to do. You have a healthy fear of the California Highway Patrol. Don't you? He almost got me the other day. I was driving down Melody Lane. Actually, it was the Oklahoma police. And you know how when you're driving down the road, you see this? That's the radar gun, right? He's looking right at it. He's looking at you. And I'm going, uh, am I speeding? And I look down and go, ooh, I am speeding. I was doing like 43 and a 25 or something like that. I go... Oh, no! You know, I'm just going, no. And he looks at me and he goes, that's all he did. And I go, thank you, Lord. You know, I just kept on driving. I didn't get another ticket. You know, it's just wonderful. He was so nice. God had mercy on me. And he, he did that just so I would tell you. So I need to keep in line. I have a healthy fear of those guys. Now I'm looking at my, you know, odometer or speedometer again just to make sure that I go the right speed. I have this healthy fear. A healthy fear is good. It keeps us from doing what is wrong. The Bible is filled with verses like Noah who feared the Lord. We are to fear the Lord. Job in 28 verse 1 says, The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. Psalm 19.9 says, The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. Psalm 34.11 says, Come, my children, listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Uh, Proverbs 1.7, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, and fools despise wisdom and discipline. Psalm 111, verse 10 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 10.27, The fear of the Lord adds length to life. Proverbs 14.27, The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Proverbs 15:16 better a little with fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. I mean there are many more that talk about having this fear of the Lord. So Abel did what was right in the eyes of God. Enoch pleased God. He sought after him earnestly. Noah feared the Lord and then there was Abraham. Verse 8 by faith Abraham when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. And by faith he made his home in the promise land like a stranger in a foreign country he lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob who were heirs with him of the same promise for he was looking forward to a city with foundations whose architect and builder was God by faith Abraham even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise and so from one man and he as good as dead came descendants as numerous as the stars of the sky and as countless as the sands on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance. And they admitted that they were aliens and strangers on this earth. That is to be our attitude as well. We see our salvation from a distance. 
We are still caught. We are raptured into these fallen bodies. We are unable to free ourselves. Only death does that. And once we experience death, then we are free. But that is in the distance. That is ahead of us. And we should have our behavior affected now because we, like Noah, fear the Lord. But like Abraham, we trust in him. We believe in him for what he has said. Verse 14, people who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they have been thinking of a country they had left, they would have had an opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who has received the promise or promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son. Even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned, Abraham reasoned that God could raise the dead. And figuratively speaking, he did receive Isaac back from the dead. So Abraham trusted God when he was called to leave his family. He did for a land that he did not know where it was. He left for that land, and he was given a promise of a son. And he believed God. He just had that simple faith. When God says he's going to do something for us, we sit there in doubt. But the thing that Abraham did in offering his son, he knew, God told him, he promised. He promised me that everything is going to come through this son, and now he's asking me to kill that son. I have to believe that he's going to raise him from the dead. Is that faith or what? And he took him up there, and he was going to run him through. He was going to stab him, and it was the angel that stopped him from doing it. He was coming all the way down with that knife, and the angel said, do not do it. That is the exercise of faith. He was going to go ahead in spite of what his reasoning was telling him. Now, I I don't want to say we have an unreasonable faith. We have a reasonable faith. And by the way, human sacrifice is never acceptable. If you think you're going to sacrifice someone because God is pleased with that, you're mistaken. That is called murder. Last time I checked, that was still illegal. Last time I checked, you'll be incarcerated. It's good to fear the Lord when he says, thou shalt not murder. So Abraham was told to do this in spite, and I'm sure it was wrong back then as well, but he was going to go through with it because God had told him to. And of course, he had God that he met with face to face. Now, I would ask you, what is your Isaac Each of us have an Isaac that we love, our Isaac. And we don't want to give up our Isaac. And we protect our Isaac. And we will even send away another son to protect our Isaac. Your Isaac can be your children. Your Isaac can be your spouse. Your Isaac can be your job. Your Isaac can be your car. Your Isaac can be your house. Your Isaac can be food. Your Isaac can be video games. Your Isaac can be, you fill in the blank what your Isaac can be. Are you willing to sacrifice it? You know, uh, I work for this one guy. He has a beautiful motor home, costs more than his house. If I was to own a motor home like that and God said, will you take that motor home out into the field and set it on fire? I would say, you're crazy, right? 
Wouldn't you say that? But God, that's what God did with Abraham, even much more with his own son. Now you determine, you just sit there and give it a thought. What is your Isaac that keeps you from obeying the Lord? What is your Isaac that you maybe don't want to give up, that God wants you to be willing to give up and say, all right, I'm going to give it up. If you want this, Lord, I'm going to give it to you. That is how Abraham's faith was in operation. He was trusting so much that he knew God would work it out no matter what he sacrificed. I believe our stance in this life is to have a light touch on literally everything. If God gives you something, you go, great. You know, I think one of the biggest Isaacs we have is our own comfort, our time. We don't want to give up our time, and we don't want to give up our comfort. We don't want to sacrifice anything, especially in this country. That's why it's good to take the youth down to Mexico so they see there's not so much comfort down there. It's a little bit rougher. It's a little bit harder to get by. And Abraham was one of those people who was enduring by living in tents, didn't have a place of his own. Now, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 20, By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. By faith Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on the top of his staff. And by faith Joseph, when, he, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instruction about his bones. So, to give you the list again, Abel did what was right in the eyes of God, Enoch pleased God, Noah feared the Lord, Abraham trusted God when he is called to leave his family for a land and for a son, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph looked to and spoke about the future. Then there's Moses. By faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child. I think all parents think that, right? When the baby's born, you are no ordinary child, you know? And they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the pleasures of sin for a short time. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because of him who is invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. So Moses forsook the world and its benefits and traded them for disgrace. You know, Paul, the apostle, says that the scripture tells us that he believed he became the scum of the earth. Now, you guys know what scum is, right? Now, you see the commercials that says, and get rid of the soap scum on your tile. That's not the scum we're talking about. I'm going to illustrate this. Uh, one time, my pastor, he took us, he took all the elders on the middle and south fork of the American River river rafting. And this first place that we start from, it comes right out of the base of a dam. This dam allows water to come through the bottom and up, and then it starts this river flow. The problem with that is, at the bottom of the dam is this scum. And this scum has algae and living things in it. It's all the silt that comes down and it's laying at the base of the water in the dam. And it comes through the dam and up. 
and it goes through the river. And it kind of dissipates through the river. But when you're first at the beginning of the river, that stuff floats up. And it is the grossest looking stuff you would ever see. Well, there were two or three rafts. We were all together. We were going down. And we decided in our boat, we would pick up the scum. And we'd put it in the boat. And we got up next to the other boat. And we go, hi, guys. And we flung the scum at them. And it was going in their mouth and in their face. Yeah, you get the idea. That's what Paul said he became. Paul became that scum of the earth. And they were, these people were spitting it out. And then they tried to get us. But we're, <laughs> you know, we're going downstream. It, it was just a great time. But that's my idea of scum. It is just the worst looking stuff. It is terrible. Buzz and I, the other night, we were in the bottom of Mission Bay, the outflow of um, SeaWorld. And it was at night. And we put our hand down on the floor of Mission Bay. And we could have kept going down. And I'm going, this is really gross down here. This is what comes out of SeaWorld. And we're going, oh, man, this is Apostle Paul. This is the Apostle Paul. That's what he said he became. That's what the world looked at him as. He was willing to endure everything. And Moses, the same thing. He was willing to endure everything and be ridiculed. He did not fear the king. He just trusted God. Nothing stood in his way. That's how we need to be, is focused. Just say, I'm going to do this. I don't care what's going on around me. These other problems with relationships, God will work them out for me. I'm just going to trust in him. And when he gives me the opportunity, I'm going to speak. I'm going to do what's right in his eyes. But no matter who comes against me, no matter who opposes me, no matter who persecutes me, no matter who ridicules me, I'm going to keep going forward. I'm not going to let my feet get stuck. I'm not going to be a mediocre believer. I'm going to remain on fire with determination moving forward. And that's what these people did going on. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the people had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, through the book of, this is through the book of Judges, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised, and who shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fiery flames, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we know that, and escaped the edge of the sword, whose weaknesses, or whose weakness, was turned to strength and who became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. Women received back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, refused to be released so that they might gain a better resurrection. Some faced jeers and flogging while still others were chained and put in prison. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were put to death by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, and mistreated. Something I want to sign up for, right? Follow Christ, and if this happens to me, will I sit there and rejoice? These people knew what they were going forward for. Now, in our society, in our everyday life, we don't face this stuff. Not yet. I do have some information for you. Not yet. But it could be coming. For instance, on what street corner in the United States can you share your faith? Any of them, right? 
Au contraire. You can't. You might say, well, why? Let me jump ahead. Three Christians arrested by Dearborn, Michigan police during Muslim outreach. This was all the way back in 2010. It says three Christians were arrested Friday evening at the Arab International Festival as they shared their faith with Muslims. The three were arrested by police as they engaged in intense but respectful dialogue in which they proclaimed their faith in Christ. I never thought I would see this in America, says Steve Atkins, a resident of Toronto, Canada, who was visiting the festival and observed the incident. The three included, and it gives the names of these three, and they were part of Acts 17 Apologetics Ministries. It says, when doctor, and it gives his name, it's a hard name to pronounce, was arrested, I heard people clapping and applauding, and some said, Allahu Akbar, Atkins said. There was a crowd of about 15 to 20 people watching the exchange and subsequent arrest. The festival attracts several hundred thousand American Arabs each year, and some Christian groups find it an ideal venue for Christian outreach. So what was taking place was they got arrested for going to a street corner, a public street corner in Dearborn, Michigan, that was outside this festival. The police came and arrested them for sharing their faith, and they called it disturbing the peace. Now, I have seen some video on this. They weren't disturbing the peace. They were just passing out Bibles. Arabs are prohibited that follow uh, the Islamic religion or Muslim religion from converting. It is a sin for them. They can be killed, actually, for doing it. Now, there is a false account that's out there that they have installed in Dearborn, Michigan, Sharia law. It is not true. It is on the Internet. Sometimes it's on Facebook. That is not true yet. It's not true. But people are being arrested for the sake of political correctness, not being able to share their faith, the faith of Jesus Christ, the one true God, in this country. Now, we don't have that problem in San Diego. Our problems here are sunshine, traffic, uh, where to go out to eat. I mean, those are our problems, aren't they? Uh, the, uh, teenagers, yeah. Teenagers are our problem. That's the extent of our problem. You can share your faith on any street corner here. You can go out and you can trust in God and people can see it and they can point to you and say, wow, that person's a Christian. That's what we are commanded to do is live like these individuals. They understood that faith is required. They had to believe that God exists first. And also, faith looks to a future hope. That's where the focus is maintained. It's not maintained on the circumstances here. And we do right if we believe, if we have this faith, through suffering, even though it can be egregious at times. And by the same faith, some were delivered and some were persecuted and put to death. Enoch, by faith, was taken, right? He didn't go through the flood. But it is believed that uh, what is, Isaiah, I think, was believed he was sawn in two. And what if you're taken? Great. Well, what if you're sawn in two? Well, not so great, but great as far as the kingdom of God is concerned. My exhortation to you this morning is the Lord's calling you to exercise your faith, to step out. You will receive opposition. You will have doubts. You will have think, I'm inadequate for the task. And as I told Bobby once when he was starting ministry, he goes, I feel so inadequate. I go, don't worry, you are. 
He goes, I feel so unworthy. And I said, you are. You know, and God, that's exactly the kind of person that God wants to use. The only commandment that is there is get up. Don't be mediocre. Share your faith. Study the Bible. Go to Bible study. Go on missions trips. Go out there and let people know what lies ahead. Let people know that the whole earth is under this judgment and there's a way out. You can do that. And I know you might say, I can't. You're perfect. That's who God wants to use. God will equip you as you start to open your mouth. And it will be a tremendous blessing to you when you reach out and you see, well, who have I affected in the last 10 years? And all of a sudden, wow, there is a harvest. And you have become a worker in the harvest. You have planted the seed. And that's all you're required to do. Who are the harvesters? The angels, they come along and they harvest. They're like a sickle. They put their sickle in and they harvest. That means all the believers are going to be harvested and you will have a part in that. And that's what we are all called to do. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that these individuals in the hall of faith continued even though they were persecuted. And they continued and they didn't complain when others were just taken. Father, we don't know how you will use each of us, but we pray that you will. And we turn to you this morning as a collective voice, as Calvary Chapel Lakeside. And we pray, Lord, that you would use us, give us opportunity, open the doors, have those opportunities spring from the people that are in here today, that they had put something forth and say, well, why don't we do this? And we can all look at it and be in agreement and say, this is good. We should go forward. So, Father, we look for that chance. We know that you have prepared us before the foundations of the earth to do your will. And we'll wait for it patiently. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. And the church said, amen.